Welcome to my diary. Welcome to my diary. Welcome to my diary. Welcome to my diary. Welcome to my diary For the higher achievers and people who inspire me First they didn't believe us cause they follow society Now they looking to see us cause they truly admire me Oh, better keep your eyes on me Oh, everybody crowd on me Oh, cause I'm a young prodigy Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Diaries of High Achievers podcast. This is a podcast where we elevate the well-being of the ambitious nonconformists by showing you how to gain it all without losing it all. I'm your host, Corey Singleton, alongside OPS. Uh, OPS, quitting as a high achiever, is it acceptable, yes or no? Yes, and it is encouraged when in an environment that is not conducive to what you want to do, the moves you want to make, and where you want to go. I got that 100%. You got to be aligned with where it is you want to be, right? So, why high performers don't quit jobs they quietly quit these things i want to list out a couple reasons why a high performer would quit a workplace and go to a, a more inclusive healthy environment that aligns with where it is i want to be right so number one is going to be the pain in the ass bosses uh there's nothing worse than a toxic boss to ruin your day uh because i feel like life is too short you know what i'm saying life is too short and it drains yes your emotional health to say to even to say the least at least for me so have you had a, have you had a bad experience with painting ass balls <sighs> managers yes for sure um you know i have gone through i don't think i shared the nitty-gritty details of some of my working environments but i have been in some crappy toxic environments where i was being bullied where my words were being twisted against me where people were talking about me to higher ups to make me look bad where i was being overworked working late hours making no money for it um barely able to pay my bills uh having i've had clients yell at me on the phone and be demanding and just overbearing and just not speak professionally to me at all i've gone through i've gone through my share of toxic work environments and um yeah i can i think i'm gonna be able to empathize a lot with some of the things we're about to talk about and i've probably experienced most of them yeah yeah so this is just based off this past experience of where i'm transitioning out of now but um i feel like and clear like tell me if this makes sense but once you get to an interview stage you don't necessarily want to choose the job you want to choose a leader you, you, does that make sense that is a very wise way of looking at jobs you're interviewing for. Can't say I've done it. I can't say I've done it, but it's wise. Yeah. I mean, interviewing should be a two-way street, right? Like they're interviewing you and you're interviewing them. But at the same time, I came across something where it was like, you want to be, you want to ask some questions that's, that you would want them to ask you. And oftentimes not, that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, but I think that's an interesting trans transition going over to the next uh, the next point. Uh, customers' needs never get addressed. How many times have we come across a company or a job description where it's like, oh, this is a company that's focused on putting customers first and things like that. But some businesses completely ignore their customers, but they really harp on being customer focused and they say they want the customer, uh, you know, satisfied a hundred times in a meeting. Um, but that just doesn't that just doesn't happen. 
Um, have you ever had any bad experiences with customer needs not being met in a role? I think one thing I learned, especially earlier in my career, I was so hell bent on satisfying clients or satisfying the managers reporting to clients that I would give up healthy lifestyle balance, work myself into sickness and chaos, weight loss and all, um, trying to please these people because I cared about my work and I cared about performing and I wanted to perform well. Looking back at it, I was performing. I was trying my best to perform well at a game that was set up for me to fail in the first place. So I was I was working against the current, and I have since learned how to be a lot more strategic in the moves I make. That's something I just learned from you because you were like, "Don't show all your cards." You're playing, you know, you got to play chess, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, this is who I am, and they're going to accept me." But uh, no, the 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 cards were actually stacked against me. So <laughs> I think it's pretty interesting. Um, going over to the third reason why high performers don't quit jobs; they quit these things. Uh, bonuses, potential salary ne- uh, negotiation. Um, it is hard to get paid well, but if you have a skill set that is worth the while, uh, do not let these companies get over you, right? A lot of companies will lowball you and they won't even think twice of far as coming back and asking you, hey, do you want XYZ money? Um, OPS, you spoke to me about negotiation for the for the past role that I had. Um do you have any tips about that or like what is your strategy for negotiating? Yeah, for sure. I think what is really helpful, especially if you're in a, like a tech career or some type of career where you work on projects is keeping a personal career portfolio of projects that you've worked on that have been successful, having metrics. And I mean like outside of the, the crap you put on your resume, right? Like having links to these projects or being able to tangibly show these projects in a portfolio. Because what that can do is give you leveraging power. When you look at a job description, let's say you get an offer for a job, you look at the job description and you know it's a company where salary is negotiable. The things that you have, the skill sets that you have outside of that job description, write them down and bring them up. In the negotiation phase, before you sign an offer letter, have a conversation about salary. And you can use your portfolio, the metrics um, and results from previous work that you've done. You can use your expertise and experience that is outside the job description and other things as well as leveraging power for more money. Um, being, If you are a leader of people, and you're in a role, being able to lead others, lead a team, have people under you that are reporting to you and lead them well, evidence of that um, helps with salary negotiation as well. But if there is a certain number, and I think, you know, you should have a certain number in mind for what you're wanting. Obviously, if you're getting to the point of an offer and the interview phase, I am hoping that you've already had the conversation with company about the range of the salary and it is a range that fits that number. Or if not, they have ex- like explicitly expressed that they're able to amend it and are showing that they're able to amend that range. Whatever number it is, start much higher than that number because they're going to start lower. So let's say you are interviewing for a job and you know in your mind you want to make 
$60,000. Don't ask for $60,000. Ask for $65,000, Because they're going to come back and say, well, no, we probably can't do that. Maybe sixty-four, sixty-three, whatever. And then um, you'll probably end up with a solid number. But don't start with the number that you want when you're negotiating. Start higher. There's a whole phrase about that as well, like a saying about that. And meet them in the middle. And I think that is very, very important. And I started negotiating the second job I had. And I was terrified. I was young in my career. I was changing cities because I was moving to Austin. And then I had the nerve to negotiate my salary after someone offered me a job, knowing that I really wanted this job and I really want to move to Austin soon. But I did it. I negotiated and I used evidence based for that negotiation. I used evidence and results for that negotiation, and then I ended up getting the number that I wanted. And I've done that jobs after as well. Yeah, no, I always aim high and then meet in the middle, like you said. I've always asked that. Um, Going over to the next point, this is my biggest, biggest one um, in interviewing with companies or just any job that I would ever partake on is lack of career growth, right? Like HR will sell you the dream job in interviews and also through the recruitment process, through challenges and meetups and things like that. But uh, it's all theory, right? Like if you really think about it, most companies don't have a developed plan that can def- that can really define career paths for you or ways to really get you promoted. It's really left up to the individual to like decode the Da Vinci code to really figure out like, how do I get to the next step um, to really get, you know, more responsibility if, if that's something that you're seeking. So um, something that I always use in uh, interviews is like, hey, you know, do you have like a six to nine month career plan or career path for, you know, this position and things like that? Like, I hate being stagnant with everything in my heart. Um, if I wake up every single day and I know what's to be expected at work, I'm going to get frustrated. <laughs> like, it's just mundane, right? Like, um, I want to do something and learn something new every single day. And Career growth can really look different for a lot of people because it's not about money or bonuses, but for many people, career growth can be more time with family, uh, you know, going to seminars. I'm really big on that. I always, always ask about certification training and things um, and that sort. You know, some people might want more responsibility uh, or even a change in job title, to say the least, to really boost up their LinkedIn um, opportunities to upskill and really do online education and things like that. Um, but when I think of like lack of career growth, too, I think sometimes the feeling of being appreciated actually matters. Um, And that's like the bare minimum that a company could do for you. That's the bare minimum that your supervisor can really do for you, right? Which is free and it takes zero effort. But for them to even just take their time out of their day to sit down and have a meaningful conversation with you to even even potentially get to know you, right? Like that, that right there can take it to the next level. But a lot of companies, a lot of managers don't even really do that. And uh, something that, I'm learning that it's it's really best if you're in tech, it's really best to be at a small company because um, if you're with one of these big companies where I'm at, when they have 10,000 employees, you're really just another number. Um, and you really don't want to get treated that way because you don't feel seen, you don't feel heard and things like that. Um, but yeah, lack of career growth is another reason why high performers leave or they quit. They don't necessarily leave because no one really leaves, right? You don't leave job, just leave a job. One, you leave because of bad leadership, but yeah. I mean, there can be other factors, but that is a common a common factor, especially for yeah. high achievers. I want to take a moment to think of, uh, to talk through red flags on job postings that mm. bother me and make me like want to cringe. 
if you see a job posting, <laughs> I was about to say that sounds like it was written by a Gen Zer, but no. Um, when you see a job posting that says, you know, you can bring your full self to work, come as you are here, know that is a bag of BS. And I'm going to aim to say this because I know as Black people, we talk about not being able to bring our full selves to work. I don't think anyone, frankly, is able to bring their full selves to work. Because work is not a place <laughs> for your full self to be present. It's for a different version of you to be present and functioning and operating and saluting and executing. And so that is one thing. Also, when you hear job listings say that we're like a big family, yada, yada, yada. No. And it's so funny when I was interviewing at a particular company the woman who was interviewing me, who would have been my uh, boss, she made a comment about, you know, I hate when jobs say that, you know, like they're a big happy family. Like, I don't, I don't want to be your family. Family doesn't fire, fire each other. And I was like, well, that's a solid point. But those are two things to look at that kind of make me cringe when I see them on job postings um, and things that you might want to be cautious of as well. But to each their own when they're going to the interview process because people have needs for jobs that are different. Some people just need to make more money. Some people need to be challenged in their work. Um, everyone's, some people need the flexibility of work-life balance. So everyone has different desires when they're, when they're searching for work opportunities. Yep. And to go to the last point of why high performers would necessarily quit things within a job is bad processes. That pisses me off. Like some companies are great, but other companies suck. Like if you got to go through hoops just to put in time off, that's annoying. Oh, you know what really sucks, right? When you oversee leaders that are like, well, when you see leaders who are so far removed from what needs to get done, so they decline or really ignore anything that you sent them. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that's I've been in situations like that. Um, but anything that anything that is a bad process that really anything from the process that is the complete left of what actually needs to get done uh, is just something that would just grind my gears. Um, so every process eventually gets shipped offshore, but you need multiple approvals to really get something done. Uh, that's a no go in my book. I like to be easy and effective and efficient, um, but. When top talent quits, man, it's really a sign of business stag stagnation. But yeah, I mean, work work and career is an avenue, but it's not your life unless you want it to be. But with this podcast, we encourage people <laughs> to not let that be your life as we are anti-hustle culture podcast. But yeah, it's an avenue, a vehicle to get you a place you want to go. And, you know, I think my last parting words with you all is to take care of yourself while you're in this vehicle, because it can be very easy to neglect yourself. It can be very easy to compromise, be in compromising positions, make decisions that, you know, don't sit well with you and keep you up at night, have people talk to you crazy or think they can talk to you crazy. So take care of yourself while you're in this vehicle. That is right, guys. So we just wanted to drop this quick episode to give you insight on why high performers don't quit jobs. They are quietly quitting these things. So with that being said, we'll see you guys next week.
diary, my diary.